awesome. Welcome to the Puck Authority Podcast. My name is Justin Levine, and joining me this week on episode 12 of the Puck Authority Podcast, as per usual, is our very own Armand Klisovich, who covers Adirondack Thunder, and for the very first time, now covering the main Mariners for the Puck Authority, is Megan Bonte. Thank you both for joining. Thank you very much. Not a problem, Justin. Glad to be worried once again. All right, so um, while you, both of you cover the ECHL, I think it's fair to say that we're going to uh, kind of get the quick notes out of the way here for first before we dig into uh, the league and uh, why, why we've brought on Megan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so with Armand's other specialty being the Montreal Canadiens, we start with the former Canadiens defenseman, Andre Markov, announcing his retirement. Armand, tell me a little bit about uh, what, the, what the Habs uh, jointly announced with his agent, Alan Walsh, on Thursday. So this doesn't really come as a surprise um, to Canadian fans. Um, earlier this season, we there was some rumbling about Markov coming back to the NHL, um, not particularly with the Canadians. Um, there were rumors he was looking for a multi-year deal, and Montreal wasn't willing to give that to him. Um, but I was—I've been thinking, Justin. I would have liked them to see see them do what they did with Placanitz, um, where they brought him back, you know, to reach his 1,000 games, and then you know send him back on his way. But, you know, it, Markov, when you look at any defenseman, he's one of the stable points for, for the Canadians over the last uh, decade. And um, I don't think his number gets retired, but I think definitely think he'll be a name that Habs fans will remember uh, moving forward. Absolutely. And he was not the only one to announce his retirement this week as two-time Stanley Cup champion Chris Versteeg also announced his retirement, uh, former member of the Calgary Flames, Boston Bruins, and a full list of others, and spent a year in the KHL as well, if you wanted to talk a little bit about that one as well. Yeah, Versteeg um, was attempting to make an NHL comeback. Um, he signed uh, an NHL deal, didn't really work out Rockford. Um Went overseas, and that didn't really work out either. Uh, only played four games, two in the KHL and two out in Sweden. Um, and I guess it was just his time to hang him up. And he most recently played at the Spengler Cup for Hockey Canada overseas in Switzerland, where Canada, in fact, did go on to win the Cup. That series was on TSN. So with that stuff out of the way, uh, I think we're going to delve right into the ECHL because on the – on the hands of hockey elsewhere, there really isn't anything going on at all. So um, we're bringing on Megan Bonte to our team, uh, who you helped me uh, bring on, actually, uh, now to cover the main Mariners, who wrote her first piece, Why I Need Hockey Back. So talk a little bit about her background. Megan, why don't you, why don't you kind of uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. So obviously, y'all know that my name's Megan. Uh, I'm 21. I'm from Southern Maine. Uh, I grew up in New Hampshire, actually literally about maybe 45 minutes from where uh, uh, the Monarchs used to play. Um, my background primarily consists of uh, film and photography. That's what I've been uh, involved uh, the most in. I've been writing for God knows how long. Um, and no, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. It's really new stuff to me, but um no, I'm really hyped for it. Uh, so what you mentioned to me before the show is that despite the fact that you've been writing for God knows how long, you've never written an article with regards to hockey. So why hockey? Um, it's it's something that I, I fell in love with. Um, like I said in my article, I grew up in a really small town in New Hampshire. Um, it's literally just, it's 
we have like our concentrated center like in the middle of town in downtown but the rest of it is basically just farmland um area schools uh didn't have any teams um i think the closest place that had any was maybe half an hour away um they had only had like peewee teams there weren't high school teams i just wasn't really exposed to it uh because uh, because nobody in my family was really interested in it. It's mostly uh, Red Sox baseball, New England Patriots football. Um, but no, so I my sophomore year of high school, we went uh, on our yearly trip to Old Quebec City. I was uh, uh, treasurer of the French club. We'd go up there every year so we could practice our French, stuff like that. And I had downtime in our hotel room. My French is not very good. Um, so I turned on the TV to try and find a station broadcasting in English. And the only one was uh, the playoff game between uh, Calgary and Vancouver. And I sat there for a little bit watching it because it was the only thing on TV. But then I literally, I found myself staying out to finish watching the game because I really, really enjoyed it. And when I came home, I started literally watching any game that I could, reading um, anything that I could about it, because um, I found a sport that I could really uh, enjoy, because I didn't very much enjoy uh, baseball. or. Right, so you got to immerse yourself in our uh, Canadian culture that very much is hockey, and I mean... With with uh, family myself from from Montreal, uh, thus the Quebec area. I mean, that's where my passion for hockey grew as well. And now it's something that I mean, I watch the Canadians uh, religiously, as does Armand, um, despite the fact that he does not live in Canada like me. Um, so yeah, I can totally understand that. Um, and so, what is your goal uh, joining us with them uh, to cover the Maine Mariners uh, this coming season? That, mm. it, it's uh, it's like I said it's, I've never really done this before I'm really excited to see where it goes because I think it's something that I could really excel at um, I, uh, outside of reading articles I'm I, I'm a pretty good writer um, and I think that I could I could bring whatever strengths that I have even um if it's in like film and photography, uh, whether it's in writing, um, I feel like I could bring a lot to the puck of flow. Cause I don't know, I it's it's something that I really enjoy. Um, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I just haven't had uh, a place to do it in, if that makes any sense. Right, no, that completely makes sense. And uh, like I said, we're more than happy to have you. And uh, another thank you to Armand for uh, finding you and bringing you t towards us. Um, we're super psyched about the chance to be covering yet another ECHL team this coming season. And to have you do it after reading your first article, uh, I think we can both say with pleasure that this is going to be a great season ahead. I'm really excited for it. Because, um, I mean, I only, I only got to attend uh, three Mariners games this season. Um, I had plans to attend more, um, but because of, you know, COVID-19 and the pandemic, um, I wasn't able to. Right. Um, yeah, that definitely uh, was limiting 
the, the visibility for hockey everywhere, not just not just you. And uh, so before we jump into the ECHL a little more, and there's nothing. There is nothing like that first night you'll have Megan uh, up there in the press box. Because I can tell you one thing, it was my first year covering the Thunder, and that that opening night was something special. Just being up there and being part of the press, so it's, you're, it's definitely going to be your aha yeah, moment. No, my mom, uh, my mom was real proud of me, <laughs> and I walked into work today after having posted like my first article on Facebook, posted um, about uh, now covering the Maine Mariners, and that spread like wildfire at work and i walked into work and my store manager all of my asms all my coworkers were just like oh my god megan you're doing this and it's so freaking cool we're so proud of you congratulations yeah so we're certainly like i said very happy to have you and that word that word is catching uh not only with the work that you're going to be doing for us but with the website itself that gains us publicity so there's another up so again thank you very much for expressing your interest in joining the team and we look forward to seeing the work that you will be doing for us uh once i contact the mariners uh during the summer absolutely thank you for having me all right so before we dig into the echl a little bit more again you brought up COVID 19 and how that's limited you to a certain number of games so um you know now being with this culture of self-isolation slash quarantine and not megan i'll start off with you again um what have you been doing during this time of quarantine well i'm an essential worker so i haven't been quarantined i took a two-week period to quarantine um because my sister is immunocompromised uh, and so were my so was my mother. Um, my father's in his sixties, so at that time it was kind of imperative for me to stay home. So I didn't bring anything to them. But once my two weeks of leave were up, I had to go back to work. So I've been work um, for weeks. <laughs> I work um, now. It's like we have almost unlimited overtime uh, because were severely short-staffed. I mean, I was the only one um, in my department today um, like two hours after I clocked in. Uh, like, we're stretched incredibly thin. Um, it's difficult for me um, to wear gloves, to wear a mask uh, while working because I work in the paint department Um and a lot of it is, um, like, feeling texture of the paint, um, uh, being able to, as, ba- as bad as this sounds, uh, to smell the paint to make sure that it's not, um, that it still retains its properties to make sure that it hasn't uh, frozen, separated too much, stuff like that. Um, it's, uh, being an essential worker right now is incredibly tough. And I, God bless all of the medical workers out there right now. (laughs) Yeah, we are very much thankful to everyone, not just on the front lines, but to all those who are maintaining stores in any which way right now, uh, as like you said, essential workers, which you are. Um, As we switch off a little bit, Armand, uh, what have you been doing most recently as a non-essential worker, uh, therefore not working during this quarantine period? Uh, uh, as uh, our viewers know, a lot of, lot of writing, a lot of digging into some player profiles, looking at the draft that we'll be discussing in a few weeks, um, and just waiting for 
any little sort of hockey news to break and give me something to be happy about. Right. During this uh, lackluster time. Right. And that has kind of broken the ice a little bit, especially when we, as we go back to the Habs for just a moment. I want to talk a little bit about um, the recent interactions uh, between Romanov and the Habs. Yeah. um, So I think there's no surprise that um, Montreal uh, late round pick uh, in 2018, um, I actually got a chance to speak with Romanov um for just a little bit in Dallas um and it, as most people are he's excited to come to Montreal um and I think Mike Joe is really happy to have him um more I don't think he, he's not gonna bring much offense but he's gonna bring a lot of defense which I think is gonna be great for Montreal um another young body um I think one thing that Montreal may be a little cautious about is I've heard rumors that he could make that step to the NHL as soon as this season, if the season continues. But I think, I don't know if you agree with me, Justin, but knowing Montreal, I think they got to look at Jeff Barry Kanemi when they look at a guy like Romanov and, um, you know, development. Right. I think that's uh, definitely something that's both key and important. But um, I guess this this one goes the other way uh, and, and not the I mean, not not one that Montreal was, I guess, anticipating. As Matthias Norlander has signed with the Swedish powerhouse for Landa. Um, what can you tell us about that and how they kind of end up having to deal with that being the situation rather than signing um, with, with the Canadians and thus probably going to the Laval Rocket? You know, if you look at if you look at Laval right now, um, what one could one could make the argument that, that next few years Laval and Montreal could be very good. Um, prospect and honestly i'm not i don't want to rush anybody right now i like i like our guys in laval um if you look at we got guys like ryan polling um kakanemi now um videmo um the list goes on justin so i think i think it doesn't really hurt much show at this point um i think we know they're gonna get another top prospect this year who they who probably will see another year in their junior league before coming over but i do think my show is pretty set um, and I think they want to let guys develop. Um, I think they're just, definitely this Jess Perry called thing you're going to be looking at for years to come. Right. And one more note uh, before we jump back into ECHL stuff. The Canadians are now also receiving a fourth-round pick after Marco Scandella has re-signed with the St. Louis Blues. So what, what could the Habs use with that uh, going into this year's draft? Um, the at fourth rounder, if I'm correct, is for next season. Um but I think Montreal is a team, and I think if you look at them now, they have a lot of picks um, moving into the next two years. Um, do I, I do see them maybe trading a few of those um, looking forward. Um, just if we want to look at this shoot, they have um, one. They have one in the first. They have one in the first round, three in the second round, two in the third, three in the fourth. Two in the fifth, one in the sixth, and two more in the seventh round. Um, so I think this could be a very interesting year to see um, what Montreal does. Um, I do see him trading possibly one of those second rounders. Um, I know Mark Bridgeron did mention earlier this season that he is not opposed to making a hockey draft around draft time. Right. So um, 
I guess with that note, we will finish off on the on the NHL and the Habs there because, again, there's still lots to be discussed in terms of when the draft will happen, et cetera, et cetera. So with that said, we delve back into NHL stuff. And um, with an article that you recently wrote, which is titled Why an ECHL Expansion Would Benefit the North Division, we'll go back to Megan and see what her opinions are as this league looks to start expanding, uh, one of those places being Trois-Rivières, Quebec and why that might be important uh, to a, to not just any team, but in this case, the Montreal Canadiens. I definitely think um, that um, probably I, um, that Quebec would be a great place for the for ECHL um, to um, But so, like I said, I grew up in New Hampshire. Um, and uh, Manchester. That's another. Manchester. That could be another good spot for the for the uh, ECHL, as I discussed in my article, Justin. Um, and there's a lot of things that could work there. Um, I think Megan would agree. Um, they have an arena set up there. Um, I think you. I think the um, you know, there's a lot of colleges in the area. I think the biggest problem with that, um, which I don't think is, could be would would be a, a jailbreaker is finding an affiliate. I know LA was their affiliate when they were in Manchester, and I just I don't think LA is going to like that cross-country commute for their younger players. Um, the Trois-Rivières idea I really love um, because, as you know, Al- Alex Lowe, head coach of, uh, of the Thunder this year, touched on how much he didn't like those 24-hour trips between, you know, Ad- uh, Glens Falls and Brampton, um, and I think if you have a third team out there, you know, you have Brampton and you have um, Poirier, you could play those two teams. And then Brampton is five minutes away from Toronto Pearson, which would make for an easy flight out to Newfoundland. And you could all do that all in a week and a half and still get that rest and and keep players happy. Logically, it would be the right thing to do. Uh, it does make a ton of sense as well. It also gives the Montreal Canadiens an ECHL franchise, which they currently don't have. So uh, their players, uh, after they come from wherever it is they may come from, they go right to Laval to train under Joel Bouchard in the Rocket, and then they join the Habs. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting... Megan, what, do you, what, are your thoughts, what are your thoughts about possibly uh, the ECHL coming back to Manchester? I love to see them come back to Manchester. Like I said, I, I grew up not not very far from there um, for a long time. Um, before I was born, that's where my mother and my um, my siblings live. Um, Manchester itself, I don't, it, it has a little bit of a bad reputation. Um, but uh, I mean, um, Manchester Monarchs, before they were ECHL, were actually an AHL team. Um, but, and they brought professional hockey to the city and people there literally bleed sports. They love sports, whether that be like, um, you know, like I said, like the New England Patriots, the Boston Red Sox, they love them. People love the Manchester Monarchs, um, even though their affiliate teams weren't here. Um, they were fun to watch. Um, they af- offered tickets uh, to games at a relatively low cost. I actually won Monarchs tickets um, uh, in a reading contest, but I ended up not being able to go. Um, either way, um, 
Quebec is definitely, uh, I think, a good place um, for an ECHL uh, expansion. Um, But I'd love to see the ECHL um, come back to Manchester um, just to bring some good back to the city. Um, And it would also um, benefit the city itself because it would bring a significant revenue increase. Right, and that's a good thing everywhere. Uh, so with Armand's thoughts, Armand, what do you think of Robert? I don't think I'm sorry, Justin, that um, it was the, um, I believe it was the governor of New Hampshire also has been in talks with Gary Bettman about uh, Manchester being one of those spots that the AHL could resume their season, which doesn't really come as a surprise to me, seeing that the AHL All-Star game was held there during the um, lockout season in 2004-2005. Absolutely. It's one of a couple options uh, as he can do to take pitches from different cities. Another one, North Dakota, um, just as a place to finish uh, the season because, again, we are in a time of unprecedented um, unprecedented waters, I think I'll say, uh, or uncharted waters, as one may have it. Um, so, yeah. The one big issue I see with Manchester um opposed to the other cities like North Dakota and Saskatchewan, you're, you're limiting yourself to only one rink in Manchester. Now, it's it, it may not be a Manchester, problem. The, the SNW but I, arena, it also has the Verizon Wireless Arena, and that was literally built, um, like taxpayers paid to build an arena that would eventually host either AHL or ECHL team. Um, and they do also have uh, area colleges that have this as well. Right, so having the NHL return so there would they, be ideal to finish the season, and uh, given the severity of COVID nineteen, they may just end up getting that that wish come true. But I I think that you know because they've been dragged, the NHL's been it's it's gone this long. I don't like the idea of finishing the regular season. I'd like to see a, like I think the most exciting fans would love to see is a twenty fourteen you know March Madness kind of style, maybe maybe best out of three. Um, but it will be interesting to see if um, if and when the NHL does resume. Right, because another thing that they could do, and this has recently become a thought to me as someone who covers uh, the Ontario Hockey League, is to play in one of their arenas to finish the season, whether that be uh, in a controlled environment uh, such as the Paramount Fine Food Centre, home of the Steelheads, or even to playing in a, in a smaller Ontario building or uh, in the two different U.S. arenas that they, that they also have uh, teams in. Uh, that would work. So again, there's a lot of different ways that we can finish the season. But again, I think for safety reasons, it's better that they called off sooner than later. Uh, because the way I see it is Batman wants to be the first to bring back sports just the way Silver was the first to call off sports. So um, I don't know. I don't know if there's one right answer, but I guess and I'll pose this question to Megan. What do you think is the right idea here? Out of all the... Um... Out of both Manchester and Trois-Rivières, um, I think it makes the, the most sense um, for the ECHL to expand to Quebec. Um, I, it kind of, it just, it seems like a better fit as much as I would love for the ho- for hockey to come back to Manchester. Um, it, it, it makes the most sense um, to stay in Quebec, just mostly because of the, the, the travel issue um, that, that um, Andre put. Right. 
and spe- speaking speaking of the uh, the travel issue, I think I think one thing that Manchester does have is they do have a few regional airports, like they have Boston Logan, and they have um uh, an airport right in Manchester. So I think that's also um keeping the players in close quarters, which I think we can all agree that's what the NHL wants to do. They want to keep everybody in close quarters. They want to keep everybody as contained as possible. I think that's that's another factor that they are looking yeah. into. Right, and with the New England area um, con- continually being spoken about, another thought that I had was Warrior Arena in Boston, um, which is the practice, practice facility of the Bruins and home facility of the NWHL's Boston Pride. So, again, there's a ton of different ideas here. More cities are continuing to make their pitches, so it's just something that we're going to be keeping our eyes on uh, in the coming weeks as uh, Batman continues to discuss and uh, more info continuing to start seeping out. But um, here's something that I'll pitch that came out to TSN last night, which is that Gary Bettman is set to speak with uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and the Canadian government after speaking with Trump, who is ready to reopen the borders between Canada and the U.S. Trudeau, on the other hand, is not. Now, with COVID-19 severity continuing to spike in certain places, such as Ontario, uh, how do you kind of make sense of this when you look at um, the way the sports landscape looks right now? I... I don't see that 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 I think is one major issue the the NHL that any league is gonna have right now. Um, the NHL in particular because they have so many overseas players. So I think that the one thing is you have your people, your your players in Sweden, um, in Canada, in the U.S., all over, in Russia. The question is how fast. I know the NHL wants to give teams that two week training camp, which I think. You know, once you get everybody back, it's more going to be more like a week and a half. So I think the border reopening is going to be a major factor um, for the NHL moving forward and for any sports league moving forward. Right. And I partially say so because the economy already itself is down. So if, if one's reopening, the other is going to reopen. I think it's going to be the economy first, then the borders. Uh, okay, again, we're still in a time where numbers here are spiking and in certain places in the U.S. like New York, they're still dealing with uh, quite the heavy outbreak. Um, but I mean, look at, looking in southern Maine, uh, Megan, what what is it kind of looking like there right now in terms of numbers of infections and uh, that of recovery? Um, so COVID-19 is definitely slowing down here, although um, I mean, the the hysteria surrounding it um is definitely very much uh alive it's 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 slowing down right now um out of uh 633 uh so far i believe confirmed cases i think a little over 260 have recovered um and uh the the bulk of the deaths have come from Cumberland County, which is um, uh, Portland's in there, where the the Mariners play. Um, lots of our, our big coastal cities are in there. Um, my county, I live in York County. Um, we have, I believe, 170 uh, confirmed cases. Um, so far, 75 recovered, and there have been six deaths in my county. Okay, so it sounds like things are starting to slow down in uh, smaller areas uh, rather than here like Ontario and uh, big places like New York. So, I mean, that's uh, really more positive than it is negative. And I mean, in certain places like, and this is 
well, completely the other direction, but uh, I, I believe this is in South Korea where baseball has resumed, uh, and the, which is their pro baseball, the Korean baseball organization. Um, so there are goals in there. I think there are ways to get pro sports back and life back on track to normal. Um, but Armand, uh, where want to give us a kind of a picture of what it kind of looks like there in Vermont and what, what you think the timeline on all this is? Well, Vermont, surprisingly, one of the, um, from what I've been hearing, we've either hit our peak or we're about to hit it. Um, and from what I've been hearing is, one thing I could see is, not like it would affect the NHL, but I could see the, um, the board, I wouldn't be surprised if the Canadian board opened up the Vermont side first, just seeing how, how limited it's been up here. Um, maybe you do a thing where you limit, um, you know, only Vermont plates. Um, this is just spitballing here, but the, 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 I don't know how long this is going to go on. And I, I don't, the, my real question is, I don't think anybody knows Justin, but if you're the NHL, how long do you wait to make a decision? Because you still have to ha- have to work out your off season. Um, and I did hear the the salary cap is going to stay, so that 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 really won't be an issue. But you got to work with free agency. You got to you got to figure out what you're going to do with the draft. Um, and we really haven't heard much about that. Um, and if we look at it, it's supposed to be happening in another two months, and we have no clue where it's going to be. Um, I can almost assure you, it's not going to be in Montreal. Um, but there's a lot of things the NHL has to look into, including their off season. Right. And I mean, I'll bring this up that right now, Quebec is in a worse state than uh, Toronto, which is not how it was when it first started. Toronto was worse than Quebec, but that is very quickly and drastically changed. Um, So, I mean, I guess there's really, there's no timeline on this. And I mean, they're having governor's meetings quite frequently now. And one would have thought that this all would have ended a few days ago, uh, their last governor's meeting. However, it did not. Um, so we have to we have to continue keeping tabs on that for now, um, as as silly to people as that may sound, because this is an ongoing and um, worsening situation. It's literally something of the invisible that's you know taking over, literally globally. Now, Justin, here's here's one thing to ponder. Um, next week the NHL draft is expected to to hold their draft virtually. Um. Do you think the the NHL looks at that, look at their ratings, and maybe goes off of those numbers, and maybe factors that into that decision, or you think that's going to be completely separate um, to what they want to do? Well, I mean, after watching the WNBA draft take take place this evening on ESPN, and the fact that they've got to make their decision and they've got to make it soon, one would have to think that they are going to actually look at the ratings and have and have that be an impact. And um, I mean. The OHL recently did it themselves. Um, so there's a lot to think about. But for the safety of their staff, the players, and so many more, this is the more ideal solution. I mean, I've heard talks that they finished this in Toronto in a small room, which they did last at the lockout, at the lockout period. So, um, I mean, I don't know. It's certainly not going to happen in Montreal this year, as unfortunate as it may, may be. And it might not return for another two years, given that next year might end up being Seattle, if that arena is in a state of which they can announce that it's ready to host things in um, by that point. Uh, that'll be obviously before exactly. that team debuts there. 
And with the puck authority looking at was strict to be on hand of the draft, I don't think um I think Seattle's gonna be a very interesting to see. Um from what I've seen, it has been terrible. But I think that Seattle still has another full year. Um I don't think I think basically if you're Seattle, you're looking at this. We need an arena. We don't need ice at this point. So I think we, the, the Seattle's got to be like, we want to host this draft. Um, and then I think what they would do is maybe after the draft, start putting in ice, which wouldn't be the craziest thought, seeing how everything's been going. Um, I do think the rest of the city has it, the hotels. Um, and I think it would work perfect, perfectly for everything. Um, for uh, So I think next year's really a toss-up. Yeah, I would happen to agree with that. And after seeing on TSN that uh, former executive with them, Dave Tibbet, said that uh, the Seattle franchise is expected to be kind of like the gold, the golden era of hockey coming up, um, given that they will be the golden standard. Um, there's a lot to consider there. They're hard at work. Things are developing daily there, and they're going on, on the quick track and the fast track, and they're doing things right. So... Um, we'll see whether next year ends up being Seattle or Montreal. Um, but really, aside from that, um, uh, there's not much else that, um, is really being discussed. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. Um, but other than that, any last minute thoughts? Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it'd be great to have it in Seattle, seeing that that would be their first. Well, let's put it this way, Justin. Do you think? That even with everything that's going on, Seattle will be ready for the 2021-22 season? Or do you think that's possibly put on hold? Uh, well, I can see the stadium being ready. But in terms of the franchise itself, I don't know. They might need more time. I, I agree. I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if it's delayed. Yeah, they might. And in, in that form, they'd bring the draft back to the Bell Center in Montreal, where rightfully should have been this year uh, before coronavirus started taking over. So um, don't, don't, yeah. don't get me wrong, but I would I would much rather prefer I would much rather prefer a little three hour drive to Montreal than a uh, a nice long plane trip across country across country. Right. So we'll definitely be keeping tabs on that because um, right now there's really not not a whole a whole else whole lot else to um be looking at um but yeah i mean i guess other than that uh there's there's some stuff in women's that's lawn. really been uh speaking of Montreal, um our uh let's mention our sponsor who's actually been pretty active on twitter um despite these rough times for them yeah mclean's pub has been doing everything that they possibly could be doing um to to make sure that they know that their regulars are being thought of um, even while they can't be attending bars. And so we haven't exactly been um, publicizing them by way of, um, Hey, like go to the, go, go support them. But the, uh, as, as these small businesses are starting to face trouble, please, please, please. If you're listening to this, once it's safe to do so, please go visit McLean's pub, buy yourself a drink, go buy a meal and go help, go help out Stuart and the rest of the team over at McLean's pub. Every, every penny will be appreciated as businesses are really, really struggling right now. Bars can't be open. Restaurants are doing takeout. So if you can help them out and you are in the Montreal area, please, please, please go visit McLean's pub. 
uh, where they're keeping it real on peel as soon as things are back to normal. And I and uh, we would hope that uh, once everything gets back to normal, the Pocket Authority would would like to be interested in possibly doing a show out there uh, at Peel at uh, McLean's. And that was our goal this year, but it doesn't look like we'll be heading there for the draft uh, due to safety concerns. Um, so we will continue to keep uh, everyone um, posted on that at Puck Authority One on Twitter and on our Facebook and Instagram. Uh, with that in mind, any last minute thoughts from either of you? Uh, no, but um, surprisingly, um, just as a little note um, to put it up. Uh, Put it out there, Shane Conacher, um from the Adirondack Bender, who uh, retired this year due to cancer. His um, white jersey went for close to two thousand um, dollars on the uh, online bidding um, that ended today. But, uh, nice to see some money raised there. And Conacher is a former member of the ECHL Adirondack Thunder, having retired um, this past season. Um, other than that, um, before I say goodbye to both of you for the evening um as well uh for our healthcare workers out there on the front lines uh if you want to support them in any shape or form please visit conquercovid19.ca an initiative set up by Haley wickenheiser a canadian olympian and ryan reynolds an actor from vancouver um to help donate ppe and if not you can just donate money online again at conquercovid19.ca um We'll, we'll certainly be keeping tabs on uh, all the progress that's being made here as uh, equipment will be shipped out to both Canada and the U.S. in the coming weeks as donation drives continue. Uh, that being said, thank you for joining me uh, this week, Megan Armand from thepuckauthority.com. I'm Justin Levine.